0: Our text this morning is a well-known passage about a woman who becomes a mother, and her name is Hannah. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, that comes right after Ruth, another story about another mother. On Mother's Day, we remind each other to honor our mothers, and there are all sorts of things to learn from our text this morning, but we're going to be focusing primarily on one question, which is how can we truly honor mothers today? We're going to read the whole chapter, so please stand for the reading of God's Word from 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 through 28. Now there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maid servant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then Elkanah the man went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah her husband said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him, only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, Oh my Lord! As your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. How can we honor our mothers today? Children, this sermon is for you. Because you are the ones who are still living at home with your mothers and have the easiest time honoring your mothers. Because you have so much opportunity to honor your mothers. However, You also have the easiest time to dishonor your mothers because you still live with them and you have so much opportunity to dishonor your mothers. But as you live right now with your mothers, how you behave towards them will grow just like you grow. And so if you are doing little good things for them and you grow up, your little good things will grow up into big good things. Just like you're growing up. But, if you are doing little bad things to your mother, then when you grow up, what will you do? Big bad things. So what you need to do is you need to begin to honor your mother right now. In the little things as you live with her. Because when you go away, you don't want to be a cause of grief. You don't want to be a cause of shame to her, but you want to bring honor to her name. So how? How can we honor our mothers? Well, the first thing, is by recognizing the importance of the work that they do in bearing and raising children. And so, we spent a lot of time on that last Sunday, looking at the verse Women shall be saved through the bearing of children. But we gotta go back to it, and I wanna think about it specifically with you kids, because it's very easy for all of us to denigrate their work. Now, what does denigrate mean? Make it little. Make it unimportant. To act like it's nothing. To act like they don't do anything good for you. It's very, very easy to do it. And the reason that it's so easy to do it is because they never stop doing work for you, right? And so you begin to take those things that they do for you for granted, right? So when you sit down to eat and your mother has prepared a meal for you, has she worked hard? Is she to be honored? Are you to be thankful to her for the work that she has done? Yes. Yes, 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 and yes. And yet, when we sit down and she's made something like lima beans, I don't like lima beans. How many of you have lima beans? Does anybody here have lima beans? Your mothers love you. But how many of you, your mom makes something that you don't like? And so when you sit down and you sit down to eat the good, healthy, nourishing food that she has prepared for you because she loves you, do you complain because it's not the way you like it? Are you ungrateful, unthankful? You understand what I'm asking? To be ungrateful simply because it's not something that you like is very, very naughty. Now, naughty is the word that we use for little kids, but men. Is it naughty when you do it? Yes. We are to be thankful for the work that the mothers of our children give themselves to constantly. And fixing meals happens over and over and over and over and over And it can be, if we're going to be honest, fairly monotonous. Right? To do the same work over and over and over and over. Food is just one little thing, though. What about cleaning? How much cleaning does your mother do for you? You say, well, I do my own laundry. Okay, well, good for you. How much cleaning does your mother do for you? That's not what I asked. You see? Do you live in the house where she does work? She's doing it for you. You see? She's doing all of that work for you. It's a gift. Be thankful for all of that work that she does. Honor her. And yes, learn to do it so that you can help her, so that you can take that work from her. And that's another way that you can honor your mother is not just by being thankful, but by making her job easier. Right? Honoring your mother looks like not making her work Harder and more miserable, the fact that she comes and cleans the entryway every week doesn't mean that, therefore, you know that you can simply tromp in with your muddy boots every day, right? Rather, it means that you know she's going to have to clean it, and so you always take your muddy boots off outside so that you're not making her work more miserable and harder for her, right? Or when you're putting away the Play-Doh, you actually try to put it all away instead of just leaving it as messy as it could possibly be and you still claiming that you put it away. See how easy it is to, to honor your mother? And you say, well, what, is this, what does this have to do with Hannah? Well, there's not a lot about cleaning. There's a little bit about meals in here, right? But what I want you to look at is this, this question that Elkanah asks. Did you notice what he asks Hannah? He says, aren't I better than ten sons? The answer, of course, is no, Elkanah. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Giving a double portion to her at the meal, honoring her, he does, right? You see you see his love for his wife in the way that he treats her at mealtime. Right? And so this stuff really is in the text. I want you to see that I'm not just making up how to honor your, your, your mother or your wife here. It really is in the text. Alcana is giving himself to seek, to honor Hannah, right? And yet the thing, the thing that pains her is the fact that she doesn't have children. And so Elkanah, Elkanah might be a little bit silly to ask, aren't I better to you than ten sons? But at least he understands that children are a good thing, right? Nothing quite says, thanks, mom. I think what you did was totally awesome and worthwhile. Like saying, I never want to have kids when I grow up. You see? And that's what our culture does. Our culture says children are so not worth it. Children are such a nuisance. Children are always causing messes. Children are always in the way. Children get in the way of our plans And then they say, and all those things are true, right? Except for the not worth it part. Okay? All of those things are true about you. You are messy. You do stink. You are always eating and needing more food. Kids are like, I stink. Yeah, I stink. So what? So our culture says all these true things and then says... It's not worth it. And that is the thing that dishonors mothers more than anything else in our culture. So the moment you go to the store to buy flowers and a card and give them to your mom, while having decided that children are just a nuisance that you won't ever bother with, you're saying that she was silly to have you. You have no right being thankful to her for doing that and then saying, but what a waste of your life, mom. You could have done something so much better. You get it? And so you kids, I want you, from the time that you're little, to remember this. That children are a blessing from the Lord. And Hannah recognized that. And so Hannah went to the temple, or to the tabernacle, and she began to pray. Why? Because she saw that children are a blessing. A blessing from the Lord. In spite of all of the pain and all of the work that go into kids, she saw her desire for children was a good desire and that that work was good and worthwhile and that it was itself a gift from the Lord. It's sad to not have the blessing of children. And so Isaiah 54.1 says, Shout for joy, O barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. That's a blessing. That is a promise by God to his people that's based, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever unless what? Unless children are a blessing. Because why in the world would you cry out for joy and celebrate the way he's commanding you to unless it was good that he was going to fill your house with kids? You wouldn't, right? So kids... There's another way that this, first, when you grow up and you get married, have kids. That's a way of honoring your mom. Second, right now, while you're living at home and you have brothers and sisters, don't complain about them. Right? Don't complain about your brothers and your sisters. Why shouldn't you complain about your brothers and sisters? Because complaining about them is saying, I don't know why you had to have whichever brother or sister you don't like the most, right? Our family would be so much better if it wasn't for so and so. Is so and so an irritating, miserable sinner? Yes. And so do they bring much misery and frustration to you and to your mother? Yes. And you know what? So do you. Because you are also a miserable, irritating sinner. Right? But is, is the work that your mom is doing of bearing and giving birth to and raising your brother, your sister. Is that good, honorable work? Yes, it is. Then don't complain that she did it. Don't complain about your brothers and sisters. Instead, be a help to one another to make your mom's life less miserable. And that means not fighting with each other, right? Moms, do you want your kids to not fight? Raise your hand if you don't want your kids to fight. Okay, all of them have their hands up, every one of them. So don't fight. When we are grateful for the sacrifices of our parents, and our mothers in particular, we honor them for those sacrifices. We don't make their life more miserable because they made those sacrifices. Now, we're always careful to make sure that we get the nice things and the good things that we want, right? Remember in our scripture lesson we were reading and James and John went to Jesus and are like, hey Jesus, can you do us a favor? And he says, what is it? When you're in your glory and you're in kingdom, can we sit on your right and your left? James and John are looking out for what? Number one, James and John. Looking out for number one. Why are they doing that? Because they're selfish. And who are they, who are they doing it against? They're doing it against their brothers, the other ten, right? And that's why the ten are, what did, what, what did it say? They were, uh, indignant. Thank you. Indignant with them. And so, You shouldn't shouldn't always be looking out for number one with your mom. Can I be the one to do? Can I be the one? Can I be the one to blah blah blah? No. Stop asking that. That's not honoring to your mother. You see? You're trying to get a leg up on your on your siblings. Stop that. You want to honor your mom. Then look out what's for what's good for her. And what's good for her is not having people constantly asking her if they can be the ones to sit in the front seat or to sit next to her or to help her with the dinner or whatever it is. Right? You guys fighting over who gets the honorable things in life is not honorable to her. It's not honoring her, it's looking out for your own honor and your own pleasure and your own good things. Now, here's a little secret. What we take away from this in our culture is that we need to establish perfect fairness, right? That way everybody gets the same thing and nobody ends up getting to sit on the right and the left. But is that what Jesus does with his disciples? No, it's not. It's not about complete fairness. And this is a lesson for you moms. It's not about complete fairness. That's not your job. Because God didn't give all of your kids the same things. He gave some of them different gifts, different skills, different weaknesses. And so they all need different things. And one of the things that all the kids need to learn is that you're the one Who chooses who's going to sit on the right and who's going to sit on the left? And that you don't choose it based on everybody getting perfect fairness. Now, what do you choose it on? I don't know. That's up to you. (laughs) Right? It's up to you. And then when your kids are content with what they've been given... That brings honor to you. And so you're teaching them to to honor you by teaching them to be content with what they've been given. And one of the ways that you teach them to be content with what they've been given is by not giving them all the same thing and not making everything perfectly fair and using it as a lesson. And that's hard work, right? Because immediately what it's going to cause is for all of the others to be indignant. How come she gets to stay up? Because I said so. I just heard a mom say that at the park. I think I was at the park. Because I said so. most wonderful, wonderful thing to hear at the park. It wasn't, well, because we need to go home, because then we need to do... A thousand explanations that go on and on about the reason why she said come here. just because I said so. I said it. So do it. That's the way you obey, kids. You don't need to know the reason why mommy says come here. You need to do it. And that gives her honor. Now what was the sacrifice? What was the unfair thing that we see in this passage? Well, first you have the unfairness of the fact that Penina had kids and Hannah didn't. And it grieves Hannah and yet she doesn't become embittered, does she? She doesn't begin to hate God because she doesn't get the same thing as somebody else. Instead she goes to God and she takes her grief to Him. And she begs him for the desire of her heart. And God answers her prayer. What other sacrifices do we see? What other things that are unfair do we see? Well, one of the things that we see is that Elkanah gave Hannah a double portion. Everyone else just got one portion, right? But Hannah got a double portion. And so are there... Are there was that a consolation to Hannah? Not really. And yet it was a way that Elkanah could demonstrate to Hannah his love and honor for her in spite of the fact that she had borne him no children. Isn't that a sweet thing? A loving thing. And so, even though the English think that Mother's Day is the most retarded thing in the world, is my understanding, uh, and even though I'm mostly inclined to agree with them, truth be told, the fact of the matter is that there are many little things that we can do and that Mother's Day has a tradition of being about doing those little things. Like giving a double portion. Simply to show and say, I love you. Thank you. And to make a point of not forgetting all of the work and things that she has done. And so you kids, there's a million little things that you can do that are never in in your wildest dreams going to make up for all of the misery and work that you've caused for your mom but that say to her, thank you for doing those things. Thank you for making those sacrifices for me. I honor you for them. And whether those whether those little things that you do are making cards, or making her a meal, or giving her a flower, or some flowers, or, or buying a little gift for her, or simply running up to her and saying, I love you, Mama, happy Mother's Day. All of those things are good. All of those things bring her honor, and you don't have to do them for your dad today. And most of them you don't have to do ever. (laughs) And he won't care if he never gets flowers from you. And that's, that's different, isn't it? Difference between moms and dads. Do you show your mom the honor? Do you show her thanks, thankfulness for what she's done? Like gives, him, gives gives her a double portion. She has made tremendous sacrifices for you. Now, our culture has made great strides in reducing the sacrifices that are necessary for motherhood. But as we've made those great strides, we've also said that even the little, the, the, the smaller sacrifices that are left are not worth it. So you step back a hundred years and having kids was way, way more dangerous, much more likely to die from having children 100 years ago. And yet, they had children, right? And maybe that's part of why they honored them more, because they saw their own mothers and wives die as they pursued that work. And you go back 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, and you're coming out of the Depression and post-World War II, right? And it's a totally different world. Poverty, We, we have way, way more money. Today, there's housing. My grandparents moved. Um, goodness, now I've forgotten the numbers. Well, let's just say it was more than once per year because there was nowhere for them to live. ended up living in in an abandoned hotel. There just wasn't housing. Not a problem that we really face today, is it? Now, if you look back at your grandparents and you look at what it took for them to have and raise kids... There's two ways of looking back. One way of looking back is to look back and say, what a gift they have given to us by doing the work of bearing and having children in that hard time. And another way of looking at it is to look back and be like, I can't believe they were so dumb as to make that sacrifice when it was so hard. You see the difference? I just received a letter from one of my cousins that did the latter. Twelve page, single spaced letter, denigrating the work that my grandmother had done in this way. Because she put up with living with a sinner for a husband. That's how I would characterize it. How many... Non-sinner husbands are there, out there. She did the work of raising ten kids and living as the wife of a sinner. And that is to be honored, not denigrated. Elkanah does not make light of the work of Hannah. He does not make light of her of the value of children even though he tries to temper it by saying, "Oh, come on, you got me. I'm worth something, right?" And after she has Samuel, he doesn't make light of her work of nursing and weaning Samuel. He's content to have her do that work instead of coming with him to sacrifice. As long as she isn't trying to keep Samuel instead of devoting him to the Lord. Did you notice that? Only may the Lord confirm what his word, this, this fulfillment of her prayer, which was a prayer made with a promise that this child would be devoted to the Lord. And so we can't act as if women haven't done anything with their lives if they don't have an established career with consistent income or a fallback job for if their husband is a worthless man or if he dies. But really, truth be told, we're not so much worrying about him dying as him being a worthless man. In fact, being a mom, being a mother, and the work of that is the most important job in our country. Because without a next generation, there would be no country. It would end quickly. Very quickly. Now, to you mothers... The other way that we are to honor mothers and motherhood and the work that God has given you is by not worshiping your children. Not worshiping your children. There are a lot of there's a lot of parenting uh, and mother motherhood advice out there in general um, that is all based around worshiping your children in a society that has that doesn't honor motherhood but in a strange perverse way, uh, if you do have kids, denies God's sovereignty, denies his care and his protection, and denies that you have the ability to trust him as a mother, and places everything about your kids and their future on you. And you feel that weight, right? And you see it with the products that are available. I remember when Eliza was a baby, Tate uh, gave her a bloody lip while he was trying to push her through a ring of foams, and uh, it occurred to me later, you know, we, we could have bought a baby no-bumps helmet for her, right? Right? <clears throat> And then, what? It would prevent that minor injury. But is that what she needs? No, actually what she needs is for her brother to be taught to love and care for and protect her. Right? She needs her brother to be disciplined for being selfish for not caring about others, for being so intent on getting his own way. Of course, this was so long ago. He's never like that anymore. You guys know this. I mean, the absurdity of helicopter parenting is what it produces in the end, right? that we think that by controlling everything and making sure that there's never any danger and by and by constantly making every decision for our kids, and that's really what helicopter parenting becomes, okay? If we're constantly protecting our children from the natural consequences of their actions, what we end up teaching them is to be selfish and disobedient. And you can't protect your son forever. You can worship him, but if you do, it will bring shame to you as a mother. And that's why Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Why? Because it reflects on her. So yes, kids, don't try to get your own way. But mothers, don't give them their own way. Husbands, don't let your wives worship your children. I remember how shocked I was one time when I read about a young man who in a soccer game punched a ref in the back of the head because he was angry at the referee. And the ref died. Now what happens to that young man? He's arrested. He's put in jail. And why? Because nobody ever taught him that you don't get your own way all the time in life, right? Think about the shame that that brings on that man's parents. And really, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying shame on them for letting him be that way. Now, could I be wrong? Absolutely, I could be wrong, right? I don't know them, I don't know how he was raised, but I'm also not an idiot. I'm probably right. And even so, no matter what, it brought shame on his parents, didn't it? Think about how many times parents of kids who bring a gun to school and shoot people or whatever it is that they've done are on the news and they're going, We had no idea. Or any number of things that they say in response, saying, what? They're they're declaring how ashamed they are. They're responding to the shame that's been brought on them because of their children. Now, when we worship our children, it brings shame on us. It does not bring glory. Hannah did not worship Samuel, Hannah worshipped the Lord. And she gave her son up to serve the Lord. Less than a year after she had stopped nursing him. Yes, they did nurse him for longer. But let's just stop for a minute and say, less than a year after she stopped nursing him, she said goodbye. She gave him up to the Lord and his service. But first she gave him a name, and his name was Samuel. And Samuel means, asked of the Lord. And so it was a constant reminder both to her and to him, of the great faithfulness of God in answer to her prayers. God answers our prayers. And when we give our children to the Lord, we're not losing a child. Yes, it is really giving them up. Otherwise, Eli wouldn't say, In chapter 2, verse 20, may the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. Right? It was clearly giving Samuel up to the Lord. But the son that leaves, the son that lives far from you in order to serve the Lord, or the son that the Lord takes to live with him, those can only be properly understood through the eyes of faith. Sometimes I think about my sons and what it would be like if Tate moved back to Africa when he was an adult. Forget at age three. If he grows up and leaves, I'll be sad. Right? If he grows up, and God calls them to missions or calls them to a dangerous place. That, that's scary as a parent, right? And particularly as a mother. And so thinking about the thinking about the risks, the fears, the dangers. that our children face, that God calls them to face. Thinking about how God takes our children away from us and gives them to us. If you're willing to look to God and say, this this child is a gift from God, then you must also be willing to say, God took my child back. This is viewing our children through the eyes of faith. He may take them through death. He may take them by moving them away. And many parents have suffered having their children taken from them by force. And we look by faith to God concerning the future of our children. If we're not living by faith in that, then we will grasp, we will fear, we will never allow for Samuel to live and serve the Lord at the tabernacle. And so, this is, this is how we honor mothers. Not by worshiping them, not by worshiping kids, but by worshiping the Lord. Whether or not your mother has called you to live for the Lord instead of yourself. It's the single most honoring thing you can do to your mother to live for the Lord instead of yourself. Whether or not she gave you a name that constantly refers you back to God, if you do constantly refer back to God, turn to Him, you will not bring shame to her, but honor. And so Samuel, little boy that he was, worshipped the Lord when his mother left him at the tabernacle. And what does Hannah get from that? Great honor. Because who was Samuel? Samuel was the man. Read Read first Samuel. It's amazing. what he accomplished for the Lord because of her giving him up and because of him worshiping the Lord, honoring God. And so let us imitate him in our own lives. And that will be the best thing that you can do for your own mother. Let's pray.